Well, good morning, everybody. It's so good to have you all with us. If we have not met, whether online or in the room, my name is Matt. I'm the lead pastor here at LifeHouse. And I have to say, in light of the fact it's Labor Day weekend and the fair is going on, I am so glad you all showed up, even if you have a fair hangover from too many frisky fries. In fact, I thought there's probably someone at the fair right now watching our service online, which we're kind of talking about today, eating an elephant ear, watching the service, and having the time of our, their lives. And I just want you to know we're kind of jealous that you get to do that right now. But it is so good to be here. We're in part three in the final part of the series we've been in um, called Screen Time. And we've been talking about our relationship with technology. And this has been a huge series for us. We've had a lot of feedback, a lot of great conversation. And we said that we all have a relationship with our technology. And you know this because our technology, it listens to us. I mean, literally this week, I looked on Amazon for like 30 seconds, this little gadget to put on the end of my putter from my golf club that would pick the ball up out of the hole because I can't reach over far enough to get it by hand, which is embarrassing for me to admit. And then I looked at it for 30 seconds, got off Amazon, went to my Facebook page, and all of a sudden those things are popping up that what I looked at all over the place, which means even when my wife and kids don't listen to me, Amazon listens to me, and Facebook listens to me, and my technology listens to me. And we said this is a relationship with our technology because 75% to 90% of all Americans sleep with their phones, so it's kind of a relationship that way. There's a whole lot of young people that they say they sleep with their phones under their pillows because they don't want to miss out on anything, and it's just kind of in our lives. And what we said in this series is that technology has just happened I mean, it wasn't that long ago, there wasn't phones and platforms and screens everywhere, and then all of a sudden, there just were. And I remember the first time that I ran into a cell phone, I was in college, and this was before we had anything like this, and my sister, who was a little bit older than I, was going back to school by herself at night, driving her car, and some weirdo, stranger danger, pulls up in his car, and he holds up a sign in the window and says something inappropriate on the sign. I'd love to tell you what it said. I can't in church, because it'll be recorded and used against me. Anyway, so my dad heard about this and he flipped out and he thought, I have two choices. I can either get my daughter a phone so she can call someone or get her a gun and she would shoot her pinky toe off if I gave her a gun. And so my dad bought her one of these. Do you guys remember this thing? Do you remember that phone? They they were called a bag phone. It was a cell phone. And this was what I was told. I'm not sure if this is true. The reason there's a bag and a handset is there was so much radiation coming off the actual device that it would melt your brain. That's what they told us. And so you had to hold the phone away from the bag. And this, this is where it started. And I tell you that because I think some people in this series think we're against technology. And I want you to know that I love technology. We have people watching on Facebook Live right now. We use technology all over the place. Look at all the screens around our church. And for technology, you know, for me, it started like that. And then for some of us, you remember the Palm Pilot we had? That was awesome. And then this little device came out, that big bag phone, turned into this cool little flip phone that you could actually have in your pocket. And we thought we We were so cool. Young people, you have no idea the battles we went through having this kind of devices in our pocket. And then you could text on it, which means if you wanted to do the letter C, you'd have to hit two, three times. Do you remember that? And it was painful, but you could text on your phone, and that was cool. And then I got one of these. It was a BlackBerry. Oh, my gosh. You could get on the Internet, and it had a keyboard. This was gold to me. It was amazing. And then, like all of us, the phones got really, really smart, and we got iPhones and Android 
Androids or whatever you use. And now, I mean, literally, the whole world is in our pocket. We have everything at our fingertips. And along with these great screens we got, we got all this amazing stuff to go along with it too, right? All these platforms came along in about an eight-year span from Twitter to Facebook to TikTok to all this stuff where we're in touch with everything. And I want to say this because this is a little bit of a heavy message today. There's a lot of thoughts going, going to be spinning around in your head. So just prepare yourself. And I want you to know we're all trying to figure all this out together. So just give everybody a little grace because we're going to work hard today on this. We're really glad you're here. But this is what we've been saying in this whole series. And when it comes to technology, technology is the new gluttony. Because what is gluttony? It's endless appetites. That's what gluttony is for those of us that struggle with our weight a little bit. Along with endless access. And we have an appetite for all the stuff that comes through our technology. But now we have access to it all 24-7, 365 days a year. And I want to think about this question of, you know, what's healthy? What's healthy when it comes to our technology? That's how we're going to wrap up today. We all know what unhealthy is. You may be sitting next to unhealthy because they ate too many elephant ears at the fair. Feel free just to elbow them and say, you're the unhealthy one. We'll just identify it now. Are you permission to do this? But what's healthy? And, and you know this, like when it comes to our social media and our platforms and our apps, not everything is equal because you may say, listen, if I spend 30 minutes on my Bible app on my phone, it might be different than spending 30 minutes on Facebook. But how do we figure all that out? And isn't this true? Sometimes what you think is healthy turns out to be not so healthy years later. For instance, 75, 80 years ago, there was this really amazing, fun um, ad campaign from Lucky Stripe Cigarettes. And look what they said in their ad campaign. I love this. That 20,679 physicians agree that Luckies are less irritating to your lungs. Is, where did they come up with 20,000 doctors that said, these are better cigarettes for you? Now listen, I want to say this. If you smoke cigarettes, we're not mad at you. It's fine. We're not in your business. But you know this, we've all kind of done the research and smoking cigarettes isn't very good for your lungs. But once upon a time, 20,000 physicians didn't think it was such a bad thing. And I love this. You know why it's better for you? Because it's toasted. I had no idea what that means. These are toasted cigarettes and your throat protection against irritation and against cough. So 80 or some years ago, cigarettes are kind of okay for you. And now we would say they're probably not so healthy. So here's the question. What's going to be the side effect of technology? What's going to be the side effect of all this access we have to all this information? And we all love side effect commercials because if you watch a drug commercial on TV, don't you love that? Like here's some medicine for your asthma and it's going to help you. So take it. But the side effects are diarrhea, cramping. You're going to grow a second head and your left leg's going to fall off. So be careful of the side effects. Have you seen those commercials? But what are the side effects of all the technology we have in our world, what it's gonna look like. So the question is gonna to be for today, what is healthy? Now we know the downside and we've been talking about some of it. For instance, we know since we've all got all these screens in our lives, we have all suffered from a lack of sleep. Research says that many Americans, most Americans, because they have all the blue ambient light in their, in their bedrooms, are getting less than six hours of sleep a night. Research tells us it is more dangerous to get that little sleep than to smoke two packs of cigarettes a day. We've heard that stat. We, we know that there's a whole FOMO going on, the fear of missing out. 
I mean, have you ever got, gone to Venmo someone off your phone and then you realized that six other of your friends all Venmoed each other for a dinner they did two weeks ago and you got left out and your life turned upside down because you were left out? Or you saw some buddies get together and they did something and on Facebook or Twitter or whatever and you got left out and you, you just freaked out a little bit? Last week we talked about the unhealthiness of addiction with our screens and our data. And this is a huge thing that the addiction to pornography that's happening right now is at an unprecedented rate and there's a $13 billion pornography industry just in the United States alone. And listen, you know this. This is just intuition. Even if you don't believe in God, and we're glad you're here if you don't, pornography is not good for your heart. And we've seen this so many times when, when it enters into a marriage in any way, shape, or form, either secretly or openly, it can pull marriages apart. And this thing that was supposed to be intimate and beautiful between two individuals, you know, you enter all this other junk in and it just pulls people apart and it causes people to lie and have secrets and isolation, not to mention, and this should scare all of us, whether you're a parent or not, the average age of a child that's introduced to pornography is under the age of 10. It's terrifying. And it's ruining marriages and relationships and it's causing us to be lonelier. And when we say this, right now, our world, we're all just a little worn out. Can, can I ask just a hand response, whether you're at home or watching in the room? Anybody just feel a little on edge lately? Anybody from all that's going on? Yeah, don't you feel that? I mean, do you ever find yourself giving a dollar response to a 50-cent problem? Like something pops up and you just are like, you know, you turn into the Incredible Hulk and they're like, Dad, what is going on? Mom, what is going on? We're so busy. We're so on edge. I mean, we know this, that the average um, attendance of an upstreet child, which is our elementary age environment on Sunday morning, is about 1.5 times a month in an environment where people, I mean, they love to go there. The kids have fun and they're taught that God loves them. And yet we're so busy, we can only show up so often to an incredible environment like that. And you know how you know you're worn out and you're busy? Let's just have a moment of honesty. You get a notice on your phone that says it's canceled. And it is like the happy hallelujah dance in your kitchen, right? I mean, it's the ball game's canceled, the dance thing's canceled, something's canceled, and it's like, woo, high five, we actually get to stay home. What is going on? We're exhausted, and I th I'm convinced that technology just keeps pulling us in. Like if my kids aren't in all this stuff, we're not good parents, and I think it's just the opposite. And I think this is happening around us. We're really sad and fearful in our world. I need to say this, so give me some grace. Do you know that there has always been wars, hurricanes, earthquakes, death, murder, and viruses in our world? And it's been going on forever. What we are seeing is not new. The difference between now and the past history is we've never experienced all that in real time. And I've said this the last couple of weeks, I'm not sure we were designed to carry the weight of all that happening in the world at the same time. But all that's been going on forever. And you know what adds to the problem? WebMD. And some of you recognize this, right? I mean, some of you found something on your back and you said to your wife or your husband, take a picture of this, take a picture of this, take, look at this. And like, honey, leave me alone. This is like the 12th thing you found this week. No, take a picture. And then you took a picture, you went on WebMD and then you diagnosed yourself and you gave yourself six days to live and you've not even seen a doctor yet. I mean, you are terrified of your own body because you have, and I, I know WebMD is awesome. 
But you know, you got that. And how about this? Our news feeds. So we all get news feeds. Our news feed is setting our view of the whole world. And you know what our news feed is telling us? And I don't care if you're a liberal person, a conservative person, or anything in between. You know what all of, all of our news feed is telling us? That our world has never been more divided and more angry at each other and our country is tearing itself apart and we all hate each other and we cannot get along. That is not true. Or at least it's not all true. But don't you feel like that's the truth as we look at our news feeds? And you know how I am convinced that is not true? Is I show up here on Sundays and I watch you all walk in here. With all your stuff going on, those of you that have and those of you that don't have so much, those of you that are Republicans, those of you that are Democrats, those of you that are liberal and conservative and everything in between, those of you that are white and black and everything in between, and I watch you walk in, divorced, married, all the struggles and all the mess and all the stuff that we all bring in, and here's what I watch every Sunday. I watch you all love each other. And I go, we are not divided as we're being told by our news feeds. Isn't that good news, my friends, that we are moving in a better direction than maybe that the world realizes? We are not as bad off as what our news feeds are telling us. But you know this, our news feeds are making money by telling us we're so jacked up. It is a privilege to live in our world and in our country, and there's no better place. I mean, I don't care if you're patriotic or not. There is no better standing of living in the world than the United States of America. But... We are living scared to death because of our technology, which I love technology. And there's a side effect of a 24-hour access to technology, and it's a lack of peace. It's a lack of hope. It's a lack of, I don't have to be angry all the time. And here's what, I, what I'm suspicious of. I'm not angry at Facebook and Apple and IBM and all those companies. I'm mad at them all, but I don't think anyone is sitting around a table going, how are we going to make people feel more peaceful and joyful in their lives? They are a business that their, their business is to sell things. That's what they're supposed to do. We live in a free market society. That's their job. But our job is to navigate our way through it and figure out what's healthy and how can we live in peaceful, full lives. So here's where we're going to turn today. We're going to turn to something that the apostle Paul said. He came along after Jesus. He was a full-on Jesus follower. His life was completely changed by Jesus. And he writes to this little church in a place called Corinth. And this is a really big deal. Because if you went back to Corinth 2,000 years ago, you might actually be in one of the worst um, places for darkness in the world. When you look historically what was going on in Corinth 2,000 years ago across the globe, it was super dark. It was super ugly. People used people. Women were treated awful. Children were treated in terrible ways. And then some of them became Jesus followers and their lives were changed. And they started to think, instead of me using people and hurting people, I'm here to love people as my heavenly father has loved me. And so Paul writes to some Jesus followers in Corinth, a really dark, dark place. And they were just new trying to figure out what it meant to follow Jesus. Look what he says to them in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. He said, you say, he's talking to some friends of his, you say, I'm allowed to do anything. And isn't that the truth? We can do just about anything. I mean, there, there's not like, hey, you can't, you can't, you can't, and we follow Jesus. But we're compelled by what does love require me to do? So you say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you, which we tell our kids all the time. Yeah, you can do that, but it's not good for you. 
And even though I'm allowed to do anything, and I love this so much, I must not become a slave to anything. And you know this, if you have kids, you want this to be a model for their life. I don't want you to be a slave to anything. You got a 15-year-old son, I don't want you to be a slave to anything. You're married, you want your husband not to be a slave to anything. So here's what I want to do to get us all on the same page. I want us to say this last line together. And we're going to do it a couple times because I want us to grab it online, in the room. Ready? Let's do it. I must not become a slave to anything. All right, let's do it again with just a little bit more. I must not become a slave to anything. For, for some of us, that wouldn't be such a bad thing to get a t-shirt with that on. I must not become a slave to anything. Because very few people, almost no one wakes up in the morning and goes, you know what today? I'm going to plan to ruin my life. We just don't do that, do we? I'm going to set out in the next season of my life to ruin everything. But what we fail to do is plan not to do that. Have a plan for better directions and better success in our lives. See, unintended things happen to us when we don't pay attention to what's going on around us. And in the next few moments, and I need to set this up well, I want to give you some ideas how not to become a slave to anything, especially in the world of technology. And it's going to feel like, and I realize this, this is going to feel a little old school in some parts, and it feels like I'm going to get after you, but I've been living with this for a couple weeks myself, and so we're just all in this together. You may want to take some pictures of the screen as I give you some ideas. Actually, I'm going to call them the new rules for the digital age, and then I'm going to give you 10 new rules for parenting through the digital age. So it'll be for all of us adults, and it'll be for us parents. And I have to say this out loud because I did it in first service. If you're under the age of 18, and certainly if you're under the age of 13 in this room, you may hate me by the time we're done, okay? I'm just gonna, i apologizing, but I love you, and that's why we're talking through this. It's cool. We all get it. So let's talk about the new rules for the digital age. Can I just suggest that you limit your screen time? And we've been talking about this for weeks, but let's just get there because we're not going to talk about this next week. We're moving on to a new series. You've got to limit your screen time because we know too much time glued to technology messes our brains up. And here's the cool thing. Apple devices actually have an app called Screen Time. I think this is right for Androids. There's a program called Digital Wellbeing that these programs you can set to monitor how much you're on your screens. You can literally say, this is how much I want to be on. Bump me off when I'm done. You can set like a Facebook setting and say, listen, I want to be on Facebook for 25 minutes today and no more. And you can tell it to kick you off. I suggest you think about how do you logically, logistically have a plan for limiting your screens. Here's another thought. Would you be willing to consider using a bedtime and wake up time for your phone? Like literally say to your phone, I'm putting you to sleep at 930. So I just did this for myself this week. My phone goes to sleep at 930. And I do it by the do not disturb, super practical, do not disturb thing on my phone. And it wakes up at six o'clock because that's when I want to wake up. And so that's, that's when my phone is off. I don't want it bugging me. I don't want it ringing me. I don't want it bothering me. Now, here's what's cool. If you do this, you can set your favorites so your favorites still come through if one of your favorites, like your kids, need to call you. Now, here's why I do it. And no, I told you this two weeks ago. I love all you. None of you are on my favorites list because I don't want to hear from you at one o'clock in the morning. None of you. I need to sleep at one o'clock in the morning. And so I don't want to use my phone to ring. Now, you can do this. You can set your phone to like if someone calls you two or three times in a row, it'll actually come through. This is a powerful tool. 
How about this? Give your tech, give your tech a bed away from yours. Now I'm not doing this yet, but I'm really thinking about this, which means I'm going to have to buy an alarm clock because this is why we don't do that, right? Well, my phone's my alarm. My phone's my alarm. I can't do this with my phone. I mean, I promise you, if you go to Walmart today, there's a plethora of old, nasty, big red digital clocks you can buy. You'll be fine, but it'll get your phone out of your bedroom and it may give you a little bit of peace, right? Next thing I'm going to say is going to freak some of you out. Would you be one to consider turning off your notifications? I mean, yeah, I heard that. Or your spouse. I mean, listen, I, I'm not saying I've done this, but I may have snuck into my wife's phone and turned off her notifications from time to time when it's, it's nighttime. But you know how you get all these notifications and then for some of you, you get badges. Listen, you don't need no stinking badges. I'm telling you, you don't. Yeah, so if that offended anybody, I apologize. I just thought it was funny, right? But you, you get buzzed for emails and texts and all the alerts and all the calendars. And then we wonder, why am I on edge? And why am I uneasy? And why am I so, uh, you know, whatever? Decompress and turn a few of those off or turn them all off. I did this interesting thing. I got sucked into downloading an app a couple weeks ago that alerted me to all the dangerous things that are going on around, like in your county or the area. And in the last couple of days, T and I, we, we drove to St. Louis, Missouri to do a funeral. And I mean, St. Louis, Missouri is a pretty violent place. And my phone's just going crazy. Like there are people dying and there's floods and there's kids that are getting kidnapped. And I just, I mean, I had to turn it off as soon as I could because it was like, everything's falling apart because, now listen, though, I was not created to handle all that. And I'm somewhat of a, like a grounded guy. And it freaked me out. This will, this will freak you out. Delete social media apps. Woo, how about that? I mean, some of you just started tremoring. I mean, like you're, you're literally just, you're, you're freaked out by it. And it doesn't mean delete them forever. And you may not need to do this, but if someone in your family said you're addicted to social media, chances are you're addicted to social media. So why don't just try doing it for a week or a day? Take a break. And here's what I promise you, I promise you, I promise you. If you decide you wanted to put that, that back on your phone, Facebook will let you every time download it again because they're making money by you doing that. But take a break. Just delete a few of them. Try backing out of it. Super practical thing. Turn your phone to grayscale. I, I actually did this this week to see what it was like. Holy cow, this awesome device becomes really ugly all of a sudden. Ugly and stupid. But it's so interesting what I found, and I turned it back on for the weekend, what I found is when I turned my phone to grayscale, it wasn't calling my name all the time because it was too ugly. I mean, it was just like black and white and there's nothing alluring about it. Maybe for you, it's, it's gonna be in grayscale during the week and I'll turn the color back on at night so you know it's a little more fun, but anything to help us back out just a little bit. The next one, I'm gonna plead with you on this. Would you be willing, if you use YouTube to restrict Use the restricted mode. YouTube's not necessarily a porn site, but there is content on there, men, that will lead us down roads that we should not go down. And if you have kids on YouTube, and apparently there's a whole thing with kids watching YouTube, and it's not all bad, and I mean that, it's not all bad. Like kids are spending hours on YouTube watching videos. They don't watch cartoons anymore, they watch YouTube. But if they have access to all the material on YouTube, it's too much for them at a young age. Use the restricted stuff. Why wouldn't we do that? Filter our content. I'm going to take one more step in. I'm going to plead with you to consider this next one. It's huge. If you're married, 
give someone like your spouse full access to your phone or your computer or your iPad. And if that scares you to death, it's because you have stuff on your phone that you're keeping a secret and you cannot afford to keep secrets from your spouse. And why would you let a technical device stand in the way of the person you love? And why? Come on, this, this might be hard. We're all here full of grace, working through our messes together. But why would you give up the respect of your family or your kids because you let this stupid thing and another person lead you in places you didn't want to go? Let your spouse have full access to your phone. And if she or he asks you, you hand it over and say, you bet. This is my commitment. If you're single, find someone. That's willing to check up on your phone in your history, in your Safari, in whatever media browser you have. And if you're hiding something, can I, whether you're Christian or not, this is just good for your life. If you're hiding something, tell someone the truth about what you're hiding. It could literally save your soul along the way. And lastly, just for us all, you may want to consider the one, one, one rule. That for one hour a day, you have no tech while you're awake. It doesn't count when you're sleeping. Yeah, I set it for two o'clock to three o'clock in the morning. I'm good with that. No, while you're awake, just one hour a day. Would you consider one day a week that you just, you're just you not doing text? I'm gonna leave my phone on and that's it. So if I get a call, I'll answer, but that's it. And then one week a year, you just, I'm put it in the, I put it in the glove box or I'm just turning everything off but the phone mode and the GPS because we're traveling as a family and we're not going to be on the phone when we're together as a family. And what if you experience freedom from these things? What if it set you free? What if it restructured and you weren't so freaked out and so on edge and you weren't so afraid? And I'll just circle back around to this. Some of you are watching so much Fox and CNN news and your secret news media outlet that you think you only know about that you are way out of balance. I don't care where you've been coming from, what, what side you're looking at it from. You're way out of balance. And Jesus walks in and says, I want to give you peace. But I will not compete. I will not compete for what's stealing your peace. So that, that's for all of us. Now, I want to talk to parents. Now, if you're a parent, I hope you listen. I hope you can find some nuggets out of this. You got to decide what you're going to use. If you're single, I want you to think about your younger sister, your younger brother, your future kids, your grandkids. But this is for us that has some responsibility with kids. First of all, when it comes to technology, slower, 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 and later is better. And we hear this all the time, and I, I, I remember these days. The two reasons we want to give our kids phones and technology is because we've got to keep in touch with them. We've got to keep in touch with them. I assure you, there's a whole group of people in this room that survived their entire teenage experience when there was no way to get in touch with us at all, and it was glorious. There was one school phone, and 30 of us lined up to use it to call mom and dad to take us home from football practice, and we were all fine. Umbrella parents, let go just a little bit. Here's what I'll promise you. Every one of your kids' friends has a cell phone, so if your kid doesn't have a cell phone, there'll be one close. And the other thing we were worried about is our kids' miss and out. And your kids will tell you this. And again, young people, I, I, I love you. I'm just, I'm talking to your parents because I love you. Just give me grace. May not all make sense to you. But my kids would say when it came to these devices and a whole lot of other things, dad, we're missing out. Dad, we're missing out. Dad, we're missing out. And I would try and have compassion and empathy for them. But in my heart, I'd be going good. 
I'm glad you're missing out. I hope you miss out on a whole lot of stuff that you do not need in your life yet. Slower and later is better. Here's a tip. I would do this, but you make the decision. I would not give your child a phone before middle school at all. And then if you think your middle school child needs a phone, give them the dumbest phone you can get your hands on. I mean, dumb. I mean, not text, just make, it makes calls and nothing else. And I know that feels like it's countercultural and the old man's talking on stage. Your middle school children, my middle school children, when I was in middle school, I was not equipped to handle all that's on those phones. I said this last week, men, can you imagine being 13 years old when you hit puberty and having access to everything we have access to right now on the internet? they can't handle it it's not their fault it's just too much and so decide hey high school we're going to start moving into this and when you decide to give your kids um, phones and media use a phone contract this is a great idea you can find these phone contracts online just google them because here's what you need to remember you'll never be more powerful with your children and technology than the moment before you give them technology because this is what's going to happen. You're going to put that phone on the table and your kid is going to be like Jones and to get their hands on it. And you can reach across and say, but before you get this, let's agree on some parameters for use and how much and what you look at and who has access. And I'm going to have access. We'll talk more about that. And we're going to sign a contract. So, you know, six months later when they say, well, that's not fair. You can say, no, remember you agreed to it. Once you give up technology, it's real to your kids. It's really hard to go and rewrite the rules. It's possible. It's just really difficult. Here's what I would suggest as a dad and mom, but as a dad, cause that's what I am. Keep tech out of their bedrooms at all costs. TVs, I mean, this, I'll probably get some emails about this. I don't care. Send me your email. Send to, I don't give a rip, Matt Brown, dot com, something else, all right? <laughs> TVs, laptops, iPads, phones, I would not let those in your children's room. Now, let me, let me tell you why I would not let them in their rooms. Because where do you think your children and my children and my future grandchildren are more likely to stumble into really dark things? like content their eyes shouldn't see, like boyfriends or girlfriends are having t conversations that are way past their pay grade, to weird creeper people out there that you never want access to your kids. Where do you think all that's gonna happen more likely? When your child is on their phone in their bedrooms or in the living room where you have eyes on what they're doing? It's so simple. But what we've done, we can all make this better. So do not despair if you've crossed these lines. Do not despair. We can redo this, undo it, work towards better. But if we've just handed our kids devices and said, take care of my kids. When we were called to protect them and stand in the gap. I mean, listen, I love my kids so much. And I realized like one of my most important roles as a dad was to stand in the role of protection over both of them. My daughters, my, my daughter, my sons, and stand in that gap. And here's a decision Tina and I made years ago. I don't really give a rip about my child's short-term happiness. But what I'm passionate about, what I'm on point on with everything I can get from God's help is I care about their long-term health. Let me say that again. I am not concerned about my child's short-term happiness. I can disappoint my kid and I can go to bed just fine, but I cannot live in the place where I've hurt them long-term. And I've got to figure out how to have a plan, 
because it doesn't just happen, how to protect my kid long term. And that's how I love my children the best. And I'm telling you, it's a powerful thing. And don't, don't think I'm painting myself. I, I made so many mistakes as a father. I mean, I, I told my kids, I'll pay for all your counseling. I've messed you up so much. I'll pay for your counseling. But when you have your kids come back to you as adults and say, Dad, you remember when you wouldn't? You remember when you said no? Mom, you remember when that wasn't going to happen in our world and we were so mad and we were, we were ripped off and we, we just want to say thanks. You were looking out for us. We were 13. We weren't old enough to decide what we should wear and eat and where to go to the doctor. How could we have all that stuff in our hands? And you limited it. We get to do that as parents. All right, let's go back. Let's just keep moving. Devices should go to bed at least an hour before they do. This is the thought. Don't, be, don't let your devices be the lullaby to your kids, especially if they're little. You get to sing to them and pray with them at night and hear their stories. It's a powerful thing. I would highly suggest using parenting controls if, if you're a parent of kids at all. I mean, you have controls. You set it. You hold the code. You know what it is. They don't need to know if they find out. Just change the code. I love this next one, but it's pushing the envelope. Permission has to be required to install apps on your child's phone. And here's why. Um, your daughter comes to you and says, Dad, I'm 13, 12 years old. I want to get TikTok, Right? And so you say, yeah, let's look at TikTok together. And then you look at TikTok and you look at the way young ladies and young men are treating young women and their bodies and portraying themselves. And you look at your beautiful daughter who is fearfully and wonderfully made and she should never be viewed as anything but precious and never be an object. And you go, no, we're not doing TikTok. And then you look at your sons and you see the way young men are behaving on those kind of apps or apps at all. And you go, you know, this is not the young man we want to be. So we're not going to do that. But dad, I remember, remember our contract? For now, I'm just saying no. I'm just saying no. I'm, I'm your father. I'm your mother. Hey, and I realized this and I thought about this at the end of the last service. If you're in a you know, blended family or in a divorced family, I know how hard this is to get on the same page. But don't give up on it. Don't give up. Don't just, don't quit. I know it's difficult and I, I pray that God would give you the grace and strength to navigate it. But don't quit on it. But I want to empathize. It's got to be really hard. This is common sense, but I wanted to say it. Screen time limits on games and apps. We need young men when they're 20 not playing 13 hours of video games a day. All right? We need to be responsible. That starts when your sons are 8, 9, 10 years old. Let them play Xbox for a half hour. Let them play PS, whatever it is, PlayStation on the weekends for now. That's fine. But then set some limits. That's a really good thing. This one will really make some of us uncomfortable. Read their text messages and tell them you're reading their text messages. I remember Megan, when she was a freshman or sophomore in high school, she had my wife's old phone, which my, it had been paired to my wife's computer. And we found out real fast that we could still read her text messages on my wife's computer. It was incredible. I mean, we were, we were just going through it the whole time, reading everything she did. And then one day there was just a minor red flag popped up. We're like, oh, that's a problem. Not a big one, but it's a problem. So we called Megan and said, um, hey, we're reading your text messages and we're not real happy about this. Let's have a conversation. I wish, I wish we had just told her in the first place, we're reading your text messages. And this is just the way it goes because we are looking after you. And we want to prevent those weird pick things showing up from boys and the sexting and some creeper dude in your life. We're, we're just standing in the gap. 
We're in the middle of it. Now, here, here's some important advice. If I were a young parent doing it all over again, I would not give my child a phone before middle school. In middle school, I probably would give them a dumb phone and then allow them to have smart technology as a freshman and sophomore. Now, this is really a big deal. So listen to me, parents. But when your child's a junior and senior, you've got to start backing off. Because some of you all are some control freaks, because I know I am one, right? And when they're a junior or senior, you've got to start backing off because as a 18-year-old, they're going to go off into the real world, whether it's college or the military or in the professional world, the work world, and they're going to have to learn to make decisions themselves. So at some point, you've got to start to back off. But when they're 13, don't back off. They're just too young to handle that. But no, you can't control them forever. I mean, my son comes home, he's 26. I'm like, hey, let me check your phone. That's really not fair. He's married, you know, he's a professional. That's, that's not cool. Last one. I think this is the last one. You own the phone. Parents, I just want to give you permission. You own the phone. Never let someone else give your child a phone. Not grandpa, grandma, not brothers or sisters, not friends. They can give it to you and you can get, you give your child the phone. It is your phone. Do not settle for anything less than that. Now, this is again where if your family's blended or you're in a divorce situation, I know how much harder this is. So you got to work through that. So I, I just, I get it. But you own the phone. And we would just say sometimes to our kids, I own that phone and I don't think it's going in the right direction. And the phone was coming back to its original owner because I love you, because I want what's best for you. And then you got to do the hard work as a parent to stand in the gap and convey to your kids how they can be assured you're loving them. And it's never easy. But the Apostle Paul reminds us, he reminds us why we do this for our children and for ourselves when he says, you, you say, I'm allowed to do anything. Well, of course you are. You're adults. But not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not be a slave to anything. I looked at my beautiful 12-year-old daughter, my 14-year-old son, my 16-year-old son. I don't want you to be a slave to anything. And at 10, you're not ready to make those decisions. So I'm standing in the gap. And for you... For you and for me as adults. I want us to have peace. I don't want to be freaked out and I don't want to be afraid and I don't want to be anxious and I don't want to be angry. I don't want to believe lies about the world we live in. It's broken, it's dark, but it, it may not be as bad as our news feeds is telling us. And Jesus comes in and he says, I can give you peace, but I will not compete for anything. You have to decide, do you want real peace or do you want more of what has failed you? We said this a couple weeks ago that Jesus said, what kind of deal is it? What kind of deal is it to get everything you want but lose you? We have everything we want in our pockets and on our tablets and on our computers. But I'm afraid, and I'm part of this too, probably why I'm talking about it, I've lost a little bit of me and I want me back and I want peace that Jesus has to offer. And it's so easy to lose ourselves in the world we're in. It's so easy. So I want to read last, just one last piece of scripture that Jesus, Jesus said that I, it's, it's always fascinated me. He said this in John, and John was his good friend that wrote this down when Jesus said it. He says, the thief, think about that word, the thief, you know, the thing that comes and takes what you don't want them to take, like your peace, your hope, your love, your joy. The thief comes to only steal, 
kill and destroy. And we would say technology doesn't completely do those things because it can be helpful. But certainly there's an aspect to that. Jesus said, I, me, Jesus, have come that they, you and I, may have life and have it to the full. Jesus, I got a question for you. What, what does it mean that we could have life? And then Jesus crawls up on a cross and he gives his life for yours and mine. And then he invites you to a relationship with him where you can be forgiven, have hope for eternity, know he's with you, have his power and his strength. And then his invitation is give me your life and I will make it better and put in a direction that can change everything. But I'm not going to compete. I'm going to be a gentleman. I'm not going to demand. I'm not going to make you today. But I'm going to ask, would you give up whatever is standing in the way of peace with me? With peace with your Savior. And if you're here and like, you're like, I'm mad, I don't even believe the invitation is you can come to Jesus. Even though you don't believe, you're not sure, you don't understand, your invitation has come. And for those of us that have been following God for a while, it's come. Bring it all because we need him more than we need anything else in our lives. And, and I thought about this again. I missed this in first service. But if you're a parent and you heard me talk about all those things and you're like, Matt, I can't do that, or it's overwhelming, it's too late, I don't know how to reorient my life. Here's the promise, if you ask Jesus to be with you in it, he will be with you in it. Because he loves you and he actually loves your children even more than you do. So we're gonna close with this song, it's a simple song, it's just, Lord, I need you. And it's a simple cry of our hearts to say to God, I, I need you in this, I need you in all of this. I'm coming, I'm asking, I'm hoping that you'll meet me in it. And Jesus' promises, I will. And so as we sing, I'd love for your heart to go in that direction. Let me pray for you, and then we'll sing together. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, that the promise always is that when we need you, you'll come and you'll be with us. And it's your desire to help us live in a direction that is full of your love and your glory, that you get all the credit, but Lord, we still get a benefit from it. And so for every adult, every teenager, every parent that just feels like, oh my goodness, I'm overwhelmed by this all. As we sing this song that we need you, that we would find you in the most broken places, which are our own hearts. And help us not to have a competition by putting our trust in our devices versus our trust in you who loves us and gave your life for us. Thank you so much for it all. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.